is a Woodside Church podcast. Most of the work that is attributed to King Solomon, who the Bible says was the wisest person who ever lived on the face of this world. Okay, so he's written most of it. Agur wrote, I think, Proverbs 30 and King Lemuel, you know, chapter 31. And all these things are probably compiled during the time of King Hezekiah and other kings of Israel. Proverbs is not, to, not meant to convey promises or rigid rules about life, but it actually tells how life works most of the time. It was written in the poetic forms of the Hebrew culture of that day. It was very practical, plain and simple, with graphic distributions to bring out the message, sense of humor, it rarely minces words, thought-provoking, and offers hope in times of trial. We spoke about hope this morning. <clears throat> it takes the ageless, priceless wisdom of God and makes it understandable and accessible to ordinary people like me and you. Generally speaking, Proverbs says that if you're godly, if you're moral, if you're hardworking, and if you're wise, you will reap much rewards in this world. And that's just a common observation. We see that all around us, okay? In the Proverbs, we will discover precious nuggets of life-changing wisdom. By reading and paying attention to these wise words, we can avoid many common destructive mistakes that happen naturally as a result of ignorance, spiritual blindness, and pride. It has advice and instructions for living a godly life, advice about family, honoring parents, honoring husband or wife, bringing up children, about work, about finances, about staying out of trouble, about how to conduct ourselves amongst friends and family, and how to conduct ourselves amongst wise people and fools, about generosity, about grace, mercy, compassion, about attitude to life, about the importance of discipline, about self-examination, reflection, etc. So it's a big list, all right? It also gives warnings about how to avoid wrong paths, wrong friends, wrong woman, wrong man, about laziness, about addictive substances, about not accepting correction. <clears throat> now, there are many books out in the world which gives us information, instructions on various aspects of life. You may have heard of the book series called Four Dummies. That means for people who don't know much, okay, for dummies. So you will have internet for dummies or computers for dummies or sex for dummies or whatever, gardening for dummies. I don't know if there are books, okay? I don't know. I'm just, I've just guessed, okay? But there are so many books out there on various topics. <clears throat> so the question is, are we to treat the book of Proverbs like one of these books, okay? Some might have that sort of a view, and many Christians have such a view as well. Tell me what to do and how to do, and I will manage. And I'm sure there are many successful people in this world, and they have become successful by following good principles and instructions. But that doesn't solve 
all the issues in their life. There are very successful people in this world and many envy their success and their lifestyle and many tend to aspire to become like them and use them as a model for their life. But their lives fall apart for various reasons and we see them, you know, on our TV screens and various media that we have access to. <clears throat> so in summary, information and instructions are good and very helpful, but by themselves, they're not enough to help us live life in this complex world. So reading the book of Proverbs is like enrolling in the school of wisdom. Proverbs teaches us that all of us should aim to or strive to attain wisdom and make every effort to become wiser than what we are today. That does not mean that all of us should rush and get further education. That's not what it means, okay? Now you see, in my previous pre uh, preaches, I, you know, I have mentioned the importance of asking questions, okay? If you ask questions, then you get answers for your questions. Now, some people ask questions to put the other people in trouble, the other person in trouble. Now, that doesn't help you. It might put the other person in difficulty. You might feel happy that you put the other person in difficulty, but it does nothing for you, okay? But if you ask questions with sincerity, okay, wanting to know, really wanting to know, then you will find answers. The same happens with God. Sometimes we come to God and say, God, help me, help me, or show me this. But actually, we don't mean it. We don't mean it. Our aim is something else, something different. So God also knows how to play games with you. If you play games with God, he also plays games with you, you know? You know, he's, he's, you know, he's got fun aspect as well. He's got a sense of humor. So whenever we ask questions, we need to, you know, we need to ask it with sincerity. Who is the one who said we need to ask questions? Was it Ron? I don't know, I can't remember. Um, so asking questions is important. Why, how, when, what, okay? All these are very, very important. And it's important not only for any young person or, or older person, but for Christians as well. So the first question that we are going to ask is, why should we strive to attain wisdom? Why? So Proverbs says, Strive for wisdom, get wisdom. So the first question that we need to ask is, why should I do that? Why? Okay. Now I'm going to keep it interactive, okay? That'll help you to keep, stay awake as well, okay? So I want to ask you one question. It's not a very spiritual question. It's not about Bible or anything. If I ask you, what are you aiming for in life, okay? Or how would you want your life to be? What would you say? What is your aim in life? It's not about God, it's not about spiritual things. Generally, come on. Sorry? Impact, create an impact, okay? Wow, that's profound. <laughs> Good. Anything else? Good life, yeah. Anything else? Please God. Ah, please God, on the spiritual side. Simple life. Simple life, okay. What else? Tweet. Who said that? You said that. Oh my God. You can know elders from the size of their tummy. Okay. Happy? Who said happy? 
Ah, happy life, okay. Healthy life, okay. Wise life, wow, who said that? Oh my good, <laughs> okay. So happy life, okay? Most of us want to be happy, yeah? Everything we do, we want to be happy, yeah? Not, not certain rocket science. All right, okay. So let's look at Proverbs. What does Proverbs say? So Proverbs chapter three, verse 13 says, happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gets understanding. Proverbs eight, here wisdom herself is speaking and she says, and now my sons, listen to me. Happy are those who keep my ways. Happy is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. For he who finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who misses me injures himself. All who hate me love death. So all of us want to have happy life, yeah? So if you look there, we have happy. Oh, I didn't highlight it actually. Okay, happy, happy, happy life, it says. There are three times it says happy. So it's triple happy life. Okay, happy, happy, happy life. So Proverbs says, if you get wisdom, okay, if you try and attain wisdom, you will have happy and gain true and lasting happiness. So if you do not make it our aim to get wisdom, we will suffer injury and finally death. Therefore the command, get wisdom, get insight, is very important. Are you with me? Do you want a happy life? Strive for wisdom. Aim for wisdom. Okay? Happy? Very happy? Happy, happy, happy life? Okay, very good. Okay. Next question is, what is the next question that you're going to ask? Inyala, don't put it. Okay. What is the next question you're going to ask? Ah, how? Yeah, that's a bit later. So you need. So you, you, what? So we said, why do we strive for wisdom? So you need to know what is wisdom, yeah? Okay? Isn't it? What is wisdom? So first question is, you know, why is striving for wisdom so important? Next question is, what is wisdom? So you may ask, what is this wisdom? Okay? So let's look at what is wisdom. Proverbs 9, 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. You see, fear of the Lord is an expression used to describe recognizing there is God and standing in awe of Him and submitting to Him. The author says recognizing there is God and standing in awe of Him and submitting to Him is the beginning of wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. In Proverbs, the term fear of the Lord is used 15 times, emphasizing that this is a key component in the life of a wise person, all right? Key component in the life of a wise person. In Matthew chapter seven, Jesus says, therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock, okay? So Proverbs says, Knowing God is the beginning of wisdom. Jesus saying, hearing my word and putting into practice, you know, makes you wise, makes you look like you have wisdom. 
And in 1 Corinthians 1, Apostle Paul says, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. He's saying Christ is the power of God, and he is the wisdom of God. Hallelujah. So what is, how can we define godly wisdom? So godly wisdom can be defined as knowing God or Jesus and hearing and doing his word. All right? Are you with me? Yeah? So godly wisdom is knowing God or Jesus and hearing and doing his word. You see, church, God's wisdom is a divine prescription for the curing of all unhappiness. Are you unhappy today? Come and seek God. Come and find him. He is a cure for your unhappiness. Hallelujah. So church, so now we know why should we strive after wisdom? Then we found out what is wisdom. What's the next question? How? That's it. You see, ask, learn to ask questions, church. I'm encouraging you to ask questions. Questions that genuinely seek answers, okay? How can we get wisdom? Proverbs 2 verse 4 says, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, that means you must diligently go after it. You mean the gold hunters, you know, in the Western US, they really worked very hard looking for silver, looking for gold, panning the riverbeds for gold and everything, hard work. They really strived, okay? You know Harrison Ford in Raiders of the Lost Ark? Dun 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 Who says I don't have music? Hollywood is going to be after me, okay? They're off, you know, they don't they're not getting anybody. So I have a chance, okay? Anyway. Okay? So it looks easy, okay? But it's hard work. Looking for treasure is hard work. So basically, you know, you have to strive for it. That's what it means, okay? You need to work hard for it. So how can we get wisdom? Number one, since wisdom is found in the Word of God, we must be diligent in studying the Word of God and applying it in our life. So be diligent in studying the Word of God on a daily basis. Search the scriptures to find God, to find who He is, how is he like, you know? What is he like? What is his purpose? What is his vision? What is his plan for my life? Search the scriptures diligently. Second thing is, we have to pray, okay? So praying is just speaking with God. Praying is just listening to him, okay? We ask questions, okay? Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Says, ask, guys, ask, okay? We don't get it because we don't ask. We don't get it because we don't ask with the right motives, okay? And James 1.5, very popular. If any of you lacks wisdom, we, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it'll be given to him. Thirdly, we need to receive Jesus into our life as a Lord of our life, Okay? we receive Jesus into our life because he is the wisdom of God. Hallelujah. So we diligently search the scriptures, we study the scriptures, we ask God, 
okay? And we receive Jesus into our life. That is how we get wisdom. Colossians chapter 2 says, My purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Do you believe this book is a reliable book? Yeah? yeah? And this book says, in Christ is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You trust in him, you receive him into your life, you attain wisdom. Some people say, I've heard this, come to our church, our church is lovely, okay? Come and meet our pastor, he's great. Oh, come and come to our church because we have a great worship team. Should I come to your church because you have a great pastor? Should I come to your church because you have a great worship team? No. We should be rather saying, come and meet this King of Kings. Hallelujah. Come and meet God. Come and find him. Come and see his love, his grace, his compassion, his mercy. Come and see him who is willing to walk with you and me every single second, every single day of our life. That is what you should be saying, not saying about anything else. Let me tell you my story. I was, you know, I grew up in India, in, uh, in uh, Kerala. Well, I was in many places, in Mumbai, in Mysore, in Kerala, so many places. And from a very young age, I don't know why, I just felt that there is this person called God. And I had no idea, nobody spoke to me. I was from a Christian, nominal Christian family. We used to go to church only during Good Friday and Christmas and everything. And uh, that's it, you know. Somebody gave me a New Testament Bible, I used to read it every day. And my mom taught me to pray. And was praying was basically for material things, okay. And, uh, but I just had a feeling that there is a God. And then I went to Mysore to a boarding school and it was a Hindu mission school. And we had, to, we had taught so much of Hinduism. I had to recite the Gita twice a day when we were sitting for, you know, for our food and um, go to the prayer hall twice a day. It was all compulsory. Everybody had to do it together. And we had retreats you know, where we learned all the things in Hinduism. So I was very familiar with Hinduism and Buddhism. And I tried to search the Hindu scriptures for God. And I found, you know, this is not God. Okay? There is no God here. I mean, I can tell you later on why that is the case. It was not internally consistent. Okay? It was not internally consistent. So I left there. Then finally, at the age of 18, I entered medical school. And within a day or two, there were a few seniors came to us and invited us for a Bible study group. They had a Bible study group. And I thought, wow, this is the right place because I call myself a Christian, but I don't know anything about Christianity. I don't know anything about Jesus, okay? And uh, maybe there is God in Christianity, okay? And so I went there, somebody gave me a Bible and I started reading the Bible, they said, Okay, pray a simple prayer. God, if you are there, you know, please reveal yourself to me and help me understand the scriptures. And for some reason, I was very diligently, because I wanted to know God, I started studying the scriptures daily. 
I would spend a di- an hour in the morning, this is in medical school when it's so busy, you know, and when all my fellow students are enjoying, they're having a good time and studying and various other things. So one hour in the morning studying the New Testament, one hour in the evening studying the Old Testament. And I kept on doing this and eventually it dawned on me that I was a sinner. And then I quickly said, God, I'm sorry, please forgive me. And I felt very happy because I felt God forgiving me. Then it occurred to me that God is asking me to receive Jesus into my life as the Lord of my life, okay? Then I'm thinking, how can I receive someone as the Lord of my life? It means I need to displace myself from the driving seat and get Jesus in there, okay? Now, I was terrified. I thought, what if Jesus comes and tells me to stop studying medicine and go to Nepal and become a missionary? What would I do, okay? Because all my life, I worked hard. I was not an intelligent person, guys. I was not, you know, like a genius, you know. I was intelligent, okay, but not a genius, okay. So I worked my socks off, okay, to get into medical school. Really, you know, I I burned the midnight oil, as they say, you know. And I worked hard, only because I wanted to be a a doctor. I wanted to become great. I wanted to make lots of money. And I wanted status and everything. You know, that's what we see all around us. And I'm thinking, all my dreams will be gone if I receive Jesus as the Lord of my life because he is now be going to be in the driving seat. And so I didn't do anything, but I kept on studying the word of God and praying. Eventually what happened, this God of the Bible became so real to me and I fell in love with him because I have never met a God who's so loving, who's so compassionate, who's so merciful, who loved me despite all my weaknesses and failures, who died for me on the cross, who said, come to me and I will forgive you and make you my son. Hallelujah. And I fell in love with him and one day I knelt, you know, midnight, I knelt on my bed and say, Jesus, even if I don't become a doctor, that is fine. Even if I don't become a great person in this world, this is fine. Even if I don't make a lot of money, that is fine. I need you in my life. And I gave my life to him, you know, and said, come into my life. And that, my church, was the beginning of wisdom coming into my life. And that was 38 years ago. And here I am, 58 years, and getting wiser by the day. Okay? (laughs) Hallelujah. You see, church, my prayer every day is not, God, give me more money. I never have asked for money. I never prayed to God for money. I never asked God for patience because I'm a physician. I say, God, give me more patience. No. If I say, God, give me more patience, I'm telling God, give them some sickness. That's terrible. Okay? Okay? I never asked God for business. But my prayer is, God, I want to know you more. I want to know you more. I want to have the same passion that is in you, the passion that you have for the lost. Give that to me, Lord. That's my prayer every day. And I say, God, I want to speak like you. I want to talk like you. I want to behave like you. Hallelujah. That is my prayer every day, church. And that is what we should be praying for. That's what the book of Proverbs teaches us to say. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Jesus says in John 10, 
I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And then he says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. You see, church, we need to ask, why does the author of the Proverbs and Jesus say the same things? They both say, don't trust in your own wisdom. Don't trust in your own abilities. Trust in God. Lean on his wisdom. Come to me. And Jesus says, I'm giving you the counselor, God the Holy Spirit, to be within you. You see, it's because both the author of Proverbs and Jesus knows that we are unable to live life without supernatural help. Our soul and our spirit, which is the real us, is trapped in this sin-riddled body, okay? We think we can make it on our own with some information and instructions and under our own steam. But God has no hope that we can make it on our own. God has no hope. We have hope, we think we can, but God has no hope. And that is why <clears throat> God the Holy Spirit has come to live within us, to help us live life and live it to the full. Now you must be thinking, where is this fellow heading with this? He says, speak on Proverbs, now he's speaking the gospel here, okay? You see, church, in order to bring this you know, to a conclusion, I need to say, when we have God in our life, we have the right foundation for studying and applying in our daily life the nuggets of wisdom found in Proverbs. Hallelujah. So we need God in our life. When we have God in our life, then we have the right foundation to study and apply the nuggets of wisdom found in the book of Proverbs. <clears throat> so when we read the book of Proverbs, and it shows that we have a problem in our life, I'm sure it will show that there is a problem in our life, a lack in our life, okay? A weakness in our life. What do we do? We don't say, okay, from now on, I'll wake up at five in the morning, okay? Or from now on, I'll work two hours more, okay? That's not what we do. That is called a New Year resolution, okay? A New Year resolution will last for how long? How many? Okay, so don't do New Year resolution, okay? Okay, what we have to do is when the book of Proverbs tells us there is a problem in our life or a weakness in our life, what we do, we take it to God and say, God, thank you for showing that there is a problem in my life. Thank you for showing there is a weakness in my life. Help me, God, to overcome this weakness. Help me to apply this situation, this in my life, into my situation. Help me, God. And then, you see, God is a, I say God is a gentleman. He never barges in, okay? He never barges in. We have to give him the permission, okay? We have to enlist his help. And then when we give our consent, consent is very important, isn't it? Yeah? Consent is very important. And similarly, it's with God, okay? So we have taken all these good principles from the Bible, okay? And we, when we give our consent to God, he then starts working in our hearts and in our minds and in our bodies and keep changing us, keep changing us, okay? And that's what happens. 
So, as a Christian, we not only have wise instruction in the book of Proverbs, but we also have supernatural help to not only help us understand it, but also to apply it in our daily life. Not only that, church, just because we are abiding in God, we also have the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Okay, have I missed anything? Maybe I missed something. <laughs> okay. And we also have the gifts of the Holy Spirit operating in our life. We get supernatural wisdom when we are in certain situations. God gives us wisdom. God gives us insight. God gives us knowledge into various things. Okay. He gives us gifts that we never possessed before just because we are abiding in him, just because he is in our life. So church, next question to you. If you are wise, then please lift up your hands. If you are wise, please lift, up, lift it up high. That'll show only one person who is wise. Is there only one person who is wise? Ah, two people. My God, I need to start the preach all over again. <laughs> Have you got Jesus in your life? Yes. Hallelujah. What does the word of God say? If you have Jesus in your life, you are wise. So I'll ask you again. If you're wise here, lift up your hands. Ah. Okay, thank you. Oh my God, okay. <laughs> you got the message? Okay. You see, it's not the way the world looks at. We need to look at it because we have a different citizenship. We have a different principle operating in our life, okay? So it's not something that we flaunt around, that we are proud of, okay? It's just because God is in our life, we have wisdom, okay? We are different, okay? We are different. Okay, next thing is folly, okay? Time is quickly running, okay? According to Proverbs, the opposite of wisdom is foolishness. And the opposite of a wise person is a fool. What is folly? Folly is the actions of a fool, okay? So when we talk about fools nowadays, it could mean someone with a low intelligence. That's what we are thinking sometimes. But in the book of Proverbs, fools are often intelligent, okay? And are often successful. But what makes them fools is that they choose to ignore God's wisdom. Instead, they choose to follow their ideas or the ideas of people around them. They often consider themselves clever and think they know how to beat the system, but their cleverness often leads them to ruin. They often distort the truth and take undue risks. Proverbs 22 says, folly is bound up in the heart of a child and the rod of discipline will drive it far from him. This was how it was operating when I was a kid, okay? If the rod of discipline could leave a mark on my bottom, okay, it would, you know, there would have been countless marks on me, okay? It would actually be very black, okay? That was how I was disciplined. 
I was silly, I was stupid, you know, I was mischievous, okay? What it says is that we human beings do not start life with a clean slate. We come into the world with a definite bent towards foolishness. This foolishness in us needs to be methodically driven out with the help of the Holy Spirit of God. Not with the rod of discipline, but with the help of the Holy Spirit of God. That is when we become mature and able to handle desires and impulses in a godly, constructive way. If we don't change, the foolish gratification of impulses that arise within us will lead to a sick society. That is why we see promiscuous sex, adultery, rape, child sex abuse, domestic violence, wrecking of relationships, theft, and impulsive buying leading to debt. So church, change is a must if you are to grow out of our foolishness. And when is the right time for such a person to change? When is it? Now, today. In the book of 1 Samuel, which we have you know, studied recently, we find Saul was a foolish man and he committed many a folly. In the end, he sought counsel from a witch and his life ended tragically. And I just want to reiterate what talks about this morning. Maybe there is someone here whose life is speeding out of control. You have badly messed up and you cannot, you cannot see an end in sight and you're thinking, my life is finished and there is no coming back for me. You need to hear these words of the Lord. And I'm reading from the book of Joel. He says, this is what God is saying, return to the Lord your God for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. And then he goes on to say, I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. You will have plenty. You have messed up everything, but God says, you will have plenty until you're full and you will praise the name of the Lord your God who has worked wonders for you. Never again will my people be shamed. Then you will know that I am in Israel and I am the Lord your God and there is no other. Never, never again will my people be ashamed. If you're one like this, come and meet this King of Kings. Come and meet this Jesus who loves you, who cares for you, who has given up everything to open a new and living way for all of us to come to him. You might ask, how will this be possible? That's not for you to ask because he says, I will, because he can, he can. You just test him out in this. Just test him out and see what happens in your life. But for the rest of us, oh sorry, and if you are considering this, I just want you to maybe speak to a friend whom you've come with, or maybe at the, after the church, there will be a couple of people here, you know, who are willing to speak with you and pray with you. So please make use of that opportunity. But for the rest of us, let us press on, okay, in God. Let us press on, okay? And let us look to him. Let us recognize that just because God is in our life, you know, we are wise. Just because he loves us, he has done everything for us, we are his children. That is his grace. That is his love, okay? And similarly, just because he is in our life, we have wisdom in our life. 
And as I mentioned before, this is not something that we flaunt around, that we are proud of, that we say, look, I'm wise. No, it's a quiet confidence, okay? So when we face situations in life, when we are thinking, oh my God, how will I do this? Don't shake like the rest of the world. Know that the king is with you. The king of kings, the one who made everything so beautiful, so glorious, okay? He is with you, okay? You lean on him. Don't look at the world. Don't look at the thing that frightens you, but take your eyes off the things that frighten you and put it on Jesus. Hold his hand. Hallelujah. And strength and confidence and wisdom will enter you and he will give you the words that you need to speak. He will give you the strength to stand. He'll give you the strength to overcome. He'll give you the strength to be victorious. Hallelujah. Let's pray, church. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for you are a good, good God. Father, we thank you for you are a good, good Father. Holy Spirit, God, we thank you for you are a good God. And we thank you, Lord, for you love us so much. You've done everything for us and you've opened this new and living way for us to come to you. You've given us a privilege to call you our Father. And you have given us the honor to be your son, to be your people. What a privilege, Lord. What a privilege. And you, O King, you have come to be with us 24-7. You walk with us. You know us so intimately. Lord, you're ready to speak to us, Lord. And Lord, you speak to us. You reveal yourself to us. You show us wonderful, wonderful things about yourself. And Lord, you fill us with so much strength. And Lord, we stand and live because of you. And Lord, we just ask that you give us the grace to know you more. That's our prayer this morning. We want to know you more, Lord. To know you more. We want to have the passion that is in you, that you have for the lost. Give us this passion, Lord. Give us this passion to take your good news, your love, to those around us who are perishing who live in darkness, who don't know you. Lord, give us the grace to take you to our friends, to our family members, to strangers, to our places of work. And Lord, we just pray that you will cause your, your river of life to flow through us, your goodness to flow through us, your grace to flow through us, your mercy and compassion to flow through us, Lord. And we want to be a blessing to others just as you are a blessing to us, Lord. Oh, be in us, Lord. May the light that is in you shine brightly in us so that the world will see there is a king, there is a savior. Oh, hallelujah. Be with us, Lord, your people. Bless this church, Lord. We want to be a beacon of light, a beacon of life in this town, in this place that you've called to be. And Lord, we pray that you'll cause people to come in. Come in, and they will find you, king of kings. Hallelujah. Thank you once again. Thank you for being with us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to a Woodside Church podcast. For more information, visit woodsidechurch.com.